I had another friend who had a midwife and her midwife had talked to her about this idea of the pregnancy bubble, using really, really good boundaries to give yourself permission not to engage with upsetting stimuli, toxic situations, people that bring you stress. Hello and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? My recent Attitude webinar on navigating teen stress went very well, with 14,000 registrants, around 2,500 attendees, and over 400 questions. I'll link the replay in the show notes so you can check it out, and I will be answering some of those 400 questions for an upcoming article on the Attitude website. And my partnership with Attitude will continue with an article on the Wall of Awful and another on ways to improve connection with our kids to reduce conflict, better manage screen time challenges, and better ways to handle the reduction in parent-child interactions that so many families are struggling with. And of course, check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers and Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb. If ADHD affects your life, and I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if it didn't, Both of those shows are phenomenal resources for you to add to your toolbox. And of course, if you appreciate this episode, or any of the 170 previous episodes, I would greatly appreciate a 5-star rating and review on iTunes or your podcast player of choice. It really helps support the show. Finally, this coming Tuesday, February 9th, There will be a live Q&A from all of the ADHD Rewired community. It starts at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, and you can learn more about it at ADHDrewired.com slash events. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Dusty Chipora. Dusty is an ADHD coach based in Vancouver, British Columbia. She has a passion for helping people better understand their ADHD and an interest in the effects pregnancy has on the ADHD experience. In today's episode, Dusty talks to us about just that, ADHD and pregnancy. We discuss the importance of having a good care provider, the risk-benefit analysis of medication during pregnancy, postpartum executive functioning challenges, the role of understanding your ADHD and emotional stabilization and management, and the pregnancy bubble. All right, let's get rolling. Hi, I'm Dusty Chapora. I'm an ADHD coach with Vancouver ADHD Coaching. Um, I'm in British Columbia, Canada. And uh, that's what you need to know. (laughs) And you are here to talk about ADHD and pregnancy, the earliest part of ADHD and parenting, and not something I've covered yet in the two plus years that I've been doing the show. So I'm really jazzed to head in that direction. Yeah, it's not something that anybody is really covering, which is why I'm trying to talk about it. I obviously cannot even come close to speaking on the side of being a woman who is pregnant. Like that's not a thing that I've ever 
experienced or will, but I can at least do a little bit of like, I was the dad side of that, but I'm not going to pretend that I have any knowledge in terms of research or science or anything like that, as it relates to the effects of pregnancy and then sort of postpartum stuff. So not sleeping, having a hundred things to learn and figure out on the ADHD brain for the mom or the dad, except that I lived through some of that. So I'm excited to have you on and to talk about this. Is there a good place to start? Um, yeah. So one thing is I just, my personal thing is I like to um, talk about pregnant people just to be more inclusive because not all people with uteruses are, are identified as female. Good so I, I'll, just for me personally, I like to say pregnant people. Yeah. When I screw that up, fix me. Okay. <laughs> so um, I, I started getting curious about this way before I was an ADHD coach when I was pregnant because I wasn't taking medication during my pregnancy. And, and so even sort of in the I think the whole question around ADHD and pregnancy even starts way before that, because I've seen people in, you know, some different ADHD Facebook community groups saying, I don't even know if I could have a kid. Like, I don't know if I'm, you know, sometimes people don't feel that they even, you know, they feel so impaired by their ADHD. You know, I see other people talking about the fear of what if I got pregnant and I had to go off my medication? I don't know if I could manage. A lot of people have questions around medication and pregnancy. And those questions may start even before you get pregnant and there's absolutely no consensus. So I've heard everything from people and their doctors agreeing that the best you know, course of action would be for them to stay on their medication or adjust their medication um, all the way up to, I've heard of people getting thrown out of their doctor's office for even asking for medication while breastfeeding or being told that they would have to stop breastfeeding. So wow, yeah, <laughs> depending on where you are and who you are, um, your doctor may be very very unhelpful around this. And so of course, there's a very natural, I think, kind of like concern and fear that comes up for people around what's going to happen, you know, how are they going to manage their ADHD through pregnancy. So I was really curious while I was pregnant, like, are there, you know, some best practices? Are there some resources out there? And no, <laughs> basically, what I found is there's a couple of articles talking about, you know, what we know about um, medication and pregnancy, which is not a lot, because there's not been controlled studies like a lot of studies on controlled stimulant use, the studies that we do have looking at the impact of stimulant, stimulant use on the um, fetus and fetal development usually come from people who are using street drugs and like illegal um, stimulant medication. You might hear my daughter yelling in the background. We can, so, it's totally appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. We're, we're starting to see those studies now. And in fact, a study just came out in December of last year that actually followed 25 women with ADHD through their pregnancy and looked more at the impact of managing ADHD with or without medication during pregnancy. But that is the first study of its kind. So that's kind of what led me to it was just like, I, I was like, hey, I'm pregnant and I have ADHD. What should I know? And it was just like crickets. And I remember when I met you at the ADHD conference two years ago or whatever. And I remember thinking, oh, she just had a baby. I should interview her to find out what that was like. Cause ADHD baby fits my podcast perfectly. And like, didn't cause ADHD obviously, but I'm glad that we've, I've, we've kind of come back together and connected again and we're heading in that direction. And it is deeply disappointing to me that, there isn't any research into this. It seems, it seems like a no brainer, right? Guys get on it. But also a lot of ADHD researchers are men and maybe just aren't thinking in this direction because they don't get pregnant. Um, I don't want to throw nefariousness on there and be like cause misogyny. Cause I'm not sure that's necessarily the case except for subtle sneaky misogyny. Yeah. Like I think unintentional, right? Like, and what we know as well too, is that like, we're still just on the precipice of, of, 
you know, it's the, the statistic is still like when we're talking about people with autism, like, oh, only like, you know, that boys are four times more likely or something to be, you know, to have autism. And like, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's not true. It's just that girls fly under the radar, right? Mm -hmm. So we're still, we're still in this place, I think, where the research around gender parity with neurodivergence is, is really new. So my guess as the reason why the research hasn't been done on this is A, right, we're looking a lot at um, ADHD in population of boys and men. Maybe it has to do with more of the researchers being male, but I also think that like pregnancy is just this little blip, right? It's just this one moment in the lifespan of an adult with <laughs> with a uterus with ADHD. It's so it's I hear you, but I'm going to I'm going to push back cuz like Yeah. <laughs> I can understand why people might have that perspective, but that's like saying like, "Well, yeah, I mean, I got shot in the leg eh, it's like a blip i mean i can't walk without a limp anymore and it was incredibly psychologically damaging but it was a blip you know what i mean like pregnancy is not it's not a blip it's a major life event but if you manufacture prosthetic legs and you're looking at all the reasons that people need prosthetic legs getting shot in the leg is is you know maybe only one way right and what i mean is that like for me i never thought about it until i was pregnant and i i see a lot of female uh, influencers out there talking about ADHD and unless they are parents or have been pregnant or are really interested in pregnancy, I don't really see it on a lot of their radars either, right? So it's, it's, it's even, I think, when I look at what women talking about ADHD are talking about, not many of them are talking about pregnancy. And only now I, I'm starting to see some of them talking about like ADHD and menopause, right? Because that's also a, a pretty big life event that happens that impacts your ADHD. Having gone through pregnancy, not as the person who was pregnant, but as the person who helped cause it, it like for me, it was hard. It was this interesting sort of blend of hard, not hard kind of because we were not getting enough sleep, obviously, my wife mm -hmm. and I, we and we had identical twins. So like different kind of layers of challenge there. There's one, there's two of them. It's a little bit of a different animal. And what we did was we swapped nights. Mm -hmm. It was never that she was always up feeding the kids and I was sleeping. It was like one night she was up and feeding the kids and I was sleeping. And the other night I was up and feeding the kids and she was sleeping. That at least made things a little more bearable. Mm -hmm. But my wife, the neurotypical person, struggled a lot more than I did with the lack of sleep because all of a sudden she's forgetful. All of a sudden she's losing track <laughs> of stuff. All of a sudden, you know what I mean? And for me, I was like, nah, this is the water I swim Everyday in all life, the time. Yeah. <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> yeah, I might be forgetting one more thing a day or something, but like, who cares? I'm already forgetting a dozen. Like 13 yeah. is not that big of a difference. And I was kind of used to that brain fog in a way that she wasn't. And I'm not saying that this is going to be true for everybody with ADHD, because obviously it won't be. Um, and certainly there are other times when I did struggle. I lost my job because of it. Like I had a teaching career, a teaching position, and that first year that we had the kids, like I was a, I was a first year teacher in a new, in a new building. And in December, like the pregnancy went off the rails and, or in really November, my wife was like in the hospital on bed rest, like mm -hmm. significant stuff going on. And I, so I'm sleeping in the hospital and like coming to school and trying to teach. And then we have the kids in January and not sleeping much at all. And all the trying to figure out what all this means. And, and they had like, some asthma stuff happening. So I'm panicked that my kid's going to live through the night and all this kind of stuff. And so there's certainly a lot to it. And I'm not even a woman who is going through whatever hormonal fluctuations are happening that may or may not be affecting my ADHD. Is there anything going on in, in what you've been able to find that talks about any of that stuff? 
Yeah. So, and I, and just to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, I do, I don't want to um, imply that it's like just a blip more that I think that because it's like a, a one-off kind of a life experience, that's very time bound. Maybe that's part of the reason why, but also like on, on the topic of hormones, again, like we're just starting to see the research come out that um, the hormonal fluctuations of, you know, your menstrual cycle can affect your ADHD. And so there's some research suggesting that ADHD symptoms ease as estrogen rises. So with your menstrual cycle, right, your estrogen rises and then it peaks and then it goes down. And so um, during that sort of luteal phase or that second half of your cycle, you might experience more um, ADHD symptoms. And we're also seeing that women with ADHD or people with uteruses with ADHD are more likely to suffer from PMDD or like I can't remember what that acronym stands for, but it's like really bad PMS, right? Mm -hmm. So people who who experience periods are seeing more of their an uptick in their ADHD symptoms right around their cycle. And then again, yeah, so like with menopause. So what's interesting is like when you're pregnant, your estrogen is rising, right? So theoretically, as your pregnancy progresses, you you should see an easing of your ADHD symptoms. But a study came out in December that followed 25 women with ADHD, and they were divided into three groups. One group who went off their medication, one group who maintained their medication, and one group who made an adjustment to their medication. So they might have changed types of medications, they might have changed dosages. And they were administered a number of different tests, one of which is the um, Edinburgh or Edinburgh postpartum depression um, self-test. Uh, there's like the adult ADHD rating scale, et cetera, et cetera, the functional impairment. There's like all these tests that they took. And ultimately, you know, not shockingly, they found that the women who went off their medication reported the most dramatic change in family functioning and mood management, right? So they saw the biggest impairments in their relationships with their family, getting along day-to-day -day stuff and managing their mood. And the women who changed their medication also reported quite high rates of that. And then of course, the women who maintain their medication had the lowest rates of being impacted. So even though, you know, the idea is that estrogen is going to kind of help you along the way, what the studies are showing us is that, you know, for some, for some pregnant people, like all the way through your pregnancy and also in the postpartum period, there's just more to consider, right? There's just an additional layer on top of all the things that go into being pregnant. And that additional layer is like, how do I manage my ADHD? And like, what, what sort of things might my ADHD throw at me? And that makes sense. Like estrogen might help with ADHD symptoms, but it's not like it's a cure-all, right? And when when you're pregnant and you're carrying a child, there's a lot of other stuff going on in your body that is going to take some of that brain power away. Oh, yeah. I'm not even pregnant right now, but I have like a bum shoulder and I wiped out on a ski slope and landed on my inhaler on my thigh. So I have like the biggest, nastiest bruise on my thigh right now and it hurts. And just those two little pain things, it's this constant wearing down of my executive functions because I'm compensating for my shoulder. I'm compensating for my leg. I'm trying to remember not to bang my leg into stuff. And those little adjustments mean I have to pay attention to stuff other than who am I meeting at 1.30 what does my kid need for lunch? Those sorts of things. When you're pregnant, I imagine it's similar. I love that you said, I'm not even pregnant right now. <laughs> it's I'm not too late for you. Yeah, it's not too late for you. <laughs> so I can imagine being pregnant has got to be a lot of other executive functioning efforts, including just as you get larger, like how the hell do I balance this stomach that is sticking out across my knees and then 
that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, like one of the things we know is that like people with ADHD struggle with a lot of people struggle with proprioception, right? Like that self-awareness, clumsiness, bumping into things. Like I'm constantly, you know, bashing myself on things. Your whole physiology is changing and your center of gravity. And um, like one of the things that some of these studies were talking about was just the, that there is, you know, some connection with like ADHD and higher likelihood of like traffic accidents and driving. Right. And so like, what's the impact of being pregnant and being off your meds and, you know, baby brain and like your ability, you know, to sort of navigate all the things you have to do, like, you know, driving and depending on what your job is, whatever you might be managing at your job. Um, so there's, there's a lot to think about too. And the other thing is you've got more on your plate, right? Like you need to plan, maybe you need to set up a nursery. Um, you need to do all these things, attend all these appointments. And as your pregnancy proceeds, sure, the estrogen might be helping you, but you've also got more appointments to coordinate more things to remember and all these things that you have to do and not do, right? There's all these foods that you can't eat. There's all these situations you can't, you might've been able to do before that you can't do now, like heavy lifting and, you know, sleeping on the right side of your body and not getting in a bath that's too hot. You're not, you're, and you're, and on top of all of that, you're supposed to avoid stress. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned sort of in passing something that I want to play with for a minute, which is baby brain, mm -hmm. right? You're like, you have baby brain. What does that mean? Sort of colloquially speaking, what is, what does baby brain mean? Yeah, so baby brain is the um, sort of like commonly culturally observed phenomena that a, a pregnant person is absent-minded, more forgetful. This is regardless of their neurotype, right? Mm -hmm. Just that they're they're going to be more spaced out and forgetful, right? So there's kind of the idea that you're going to be leaving your cup of coffee on the top of the car and just completely forgetting things that you would normally remember. Maybe because you're occupied about your pregnancy, but probably also because of the hormonal things. A lot of baby brain is sort of the stereotypes of ADHD. Right. So we're just turning ADHD up to 11 if you already have it. And if you don't have it, then you sort of have ADHD. I'd hate that concept, but like playing with it here, I'll do it, I guess. Yeah. That you sort of have a temporary version of ADHD because you have baby brains. So you're forgetting things and you're not as effective as you might otherwise be. So that like that kind of plays with the notion that we need to be aware of what kind of an impact pregnancy would have on ADHD by, all by itself. Yeah, and we're not even touching on on the aspects of emotional regulation. We don't talk enough about the ways that ADHD impacts our emotional functioning and that's part of that hormonal thing too, right? So for a lot of people with PMDD and, and issues around their menstrual cycle and their ADHD, they find that their rejection sensitivity goes into absolute overdrive right around their period right? During my pregnancy, my re rejection sensitivity was like off the charts. So I had to expend a lot of extra energy in using all my best emotional management techniques and strategies, right? And so then there's this additional cost of my energy every day in just like not flying off the handle at everyone. And also kind of, I guess, sort of regardless of hormonal impacts, there's also once you have the kid, everything matters more. You can't mess up at work. Cause it becomes terrifying. Cause you're like, oh man, I have normal ADHD concerns about losing my job. Cause I have ADHD and might screw something up. But now if I lose my job, I affect this little tiny human that needs me for everything. I can't screw up at work, but also I'm going to, because I have this little tiny human that needs me for everything. And it's like a massive extra thing to balance. Well, and, and this is part of what I think interests me so much in creating resources, right? So the whole thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm creating resources for pregnant people. 
I've released a YouTube video about managing your pregnancy with ADHD, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to re-release it and break it up into trimesters, but I've got a, a couple of videos out about early parenting and ADHD, just like those first couple of years. And I'm actually creating a workbook right now, which um, is going to be released this month in February. I sort of had it done. And then I ended up partnering with my friend who's the head of, uh, who's a midwife and she's headed up some midwives associations because I wanted to bring in more of that medical sort of really technical piece and make sure that I was addressing all the, because I'm, you know, obviously I don't have a medical background. So mm-hmm. I really want to um, be as holistic as I can in addressing all the different concerns. So I'm, I'm creating this resource, this workbook that's going to be released this month. And that's why I wanted to do this in part because I'm very lucky in that I'm Canadian and during my pregnancy was when the Canadian government actually extended maternity leave. So we have the option of having a 12 month maternity leave or an 18 month maternity leave. And that's obviously not the case for most people in in America and in some other countries where maternity leave you know, may not be that generous. So I can't I'm very lucky in that that you know, I didn't really have to worry about that, but most people having a child and having ADHD, especially in the United States, don't have that luxury. And I, I really want to do what I can to support people transitioning back into work and having to manage maybe postpartum depression and anxiety and new parenthood and ADHD and, and all that stuff. In Canada, connected to this, midwives are like an actual medical career, right? Like they have to get certified and licensed and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. So like right now I'm taking um, doula training. And so a doula is just someone who kind of is supporting you emotionally through your pregnancy. They're sort of like your pregnancy coach, I guess, in a way. And the midwife can actually deliver your baby for you. So mm-hmm. I think it is different. I, my understanding is that I think the, the rules and the law is different from province to province. But here in British Columbia, when you're pregnant, you have the choice of choosing an obstetrician or a midwife. And then that person will work with you throughout your entire pregnancy right up to labor and delivery. I'm only asking because, and this, my knowledge on this is 12 years old, because that's how old my kids are. But back when my wife was pregnant, she was looking around at midwife stuff and it was not regulated in the United States and not safe. And that might've changed Mm. in the last 12 years. But, but back then it was like women and babies were dying because there were people who are like, I know what to do who didn't. Um, And people were avoiding the hospitals and support medical support that they needed because they were going with folks who were not safe. And again, I don't, my knowledge yeah. on this is 12 years old. Like it could be super safe and regulated and medically informed at this point in America yeah. or in the United well, States. And I, 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 and I wonder how much, I wonder how much, and again, like I'm not familiar with your healthcare system, but I wonder how much of that comes down to like inaccessible healthcare, which again, I think there could be an argument here around when you're 80, when you have ADHD and you have to navigate, you know, maybe a lot of complicated administration around your healthcare, maybe that presents another challenge, right? No, it absolutely does. The more complicated it gets, the less I want to do it as, as an yeah. ADHD person. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm dealing with, we changed insurances. And so my ADHD medication is not like, I can't have it right now. They're like, your doctor has to tell us that you officially have this medication and he hasn't told us yet. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad I was stockpiling a little bit in anticipation of things going south. So I have like eight in reserve. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it all gets done soon. Going back to that earlier conversation about sort of what I've seen people talking about medication, like I, you know, cause I'm, I'm a coach and I do coach like a number of pregnant women. I don't like put it out there that that's like my like niche or whatever. Cause I mm-hmm. coach a lot of different people, but I really love to coach pregnant women um, and kind of help them have the best pregnancies they can. And I was in this Facebook group and I saw this woman just, she was absolutely desperate. And she was talking about 
you know, she was having such a hard time and she was breastfeeding and her child was 18 months and she wanted ADHD medications while she was breastfeeding. And the doctor actually threw her, one doctor said, I'll give it to you, but you have to stop breastfeeding. And the other doctor said, like, get out. Um, and so I actually sort of took her on as a client for a while, just pro bono. Cause I was like, let me, you know, I, I want to help you. And so just kind of giving her some non, you know, non-medication intervention, intervention and support to work through what she was going through. She had two young children and here in Canada, right. And I'm again, I'm sure community to community is different, but when I wanted to look at medication while I was breastfeeding, I had a, my doctor sent me for an appointment with like a, a fertility psychologist or a fertility psychiatrist who talked to me about all the options, helped me to find like the best option for me. So I take medication and I breastfeed and that's medically sanctioned, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm still breastfeeding now. So um, again, like there's just such a gamut of experiences that people have depending on who their care provider is. It's just not for sure that people are going to get the support that they need from their physician. And this is where the research component comes back in, right? Let's research this. Someone's got to know or be able to figure out whether it's safe for a woman to breastfeed while on X medication, like whatever it may be. And probably there's somewhere it's safe and somewhere it's not, but we have to get that research done because it's a major life stage and event. Exactly. It often comes down to like a risk benefit analysis. So like if a person is really impaired by their ADHD and they are more at risk of um, not being able to manage day to day, not being able to manage their child, not being able to, you know, provide a safe environment, because they're like really, really impacted. And maybe, you know, maybe they've even got other stuff going on, like depression or anxiety. Then like, if we're talking about what's safest, what's safest is to give that person the support that they need pharmacologically. You know, if a person is, if they feel that they are sort of at a functional level where, you know, they, they can sort of make do without medication or with really minimal medication, then great. But the question of sort of what's safe for the child, I think extends beyond like, what is safe for the child in utero? And I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm saying you can only breastfeed, right? Because formula exists too, and it does the job well. I know, because I have two kids who were formula fed, because yeah, that was what yeah, had to exactly. happen, yeah. and they're fine. That's a good point. But all of this, this is all stuff we have to look at. This is all stuff that needs to be considered. And it's, I guess I'm disappointed that we're this deep into our knowledge of ADHD, and it's not been cracked yet. This topic hasn't been explored enough yet. Oh, I'm excited, because now we can be on the cutting edge of it. Yeah, and I'm glad that you are. I'm glad that you're kind of championing championing this at the vanguard of let's pay attention to ADHD and pregnancy and and what that looks like. What are you finding postpartum once the baby's born? Anything there? What I'm doing is I'm often kind of looking at what people are talking about on various social media platforms. And whenever something comes up around women or people with uteruses and pregnancy, I'm like, Ooh, what's going on there. But I also like ask a lot of questions, not only of like my followers on Twitter and, you know, TikTok and Facebook, but, but just like really asking questions in these groups and sort of, sort of doing like a little bit of like grassroots research. And what I'm seeing people talk about, first of all, we know that hormonally you're going to experience that drop in estrogen. And like you said, at the beginning, there's that sleep deprivation. So a drop in estrogen plus sleep deprivation, plus maybe still not on, on ADHD meds, you're probably going to see a huge amount of ADHD symptoms, forgetfulness, emotional dysregulation, all that jazz. Um, and what people are saying, like what, what the, the feedback is, is that it, it's kind of one of two things, right? Either you're really, really, really struggling <laughs> or you're hyperfixating on your baby and there's enough novelty in that situation to like get you through. So like some people might not struggle at all because just the, the newness of the, the whole experience 
is interesting enough for their ADHD brain that they're like, okay, right. And so, and like you said, you know, some people are quite, quite used to being sleep deprived. So for them, it's like nothing new. So it's either going to be that, or it's going to kind of be like, oh my God, this is really, really hard. And the study that came out recently basically kind of showed that for the women who didn't have access to medication or who changed their medication, or not that they didn't have access to it, but that they, they chose to discontinue, they reported the lowest um, satisfaction. They reported feeling like they were missing out on the joy of parenting, that they were struggling with their relationships, um, that they were struggling with family functioning. So we can, I think we can expect on the whole to see more people with ADHD who are new parents um, struggling in that postpartum period. That's not true of everyone, but it's likely. The newness angle is interesting. That's an interesting point to me because I'm pretty sure that happened to me that I was just like, oh, I have these two babies and they're amazing and I'm so excited. And that like carried me through the first five years of their life or whatever. I'm fairly confident that that's where I landed. Outside of my kids, that was a pretty hard period for me. I My teaching career ended during that time frame and they got me through because of my connection with them and my, and the uniqueness of the, there's always a new challenge and now they're learning this and all that stuff. That was a piece of it for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even talking about, and, and again, because I'm not, I'm not a medical expert, but there's, there's all these other hormones that are going to step in and help you too, right? There's oxytocin and the, you know, and if you are breastfeeding, there's that bonding, that hormone chemical, right? So lots of good love feelings from cuddling. Um, that might be playing a role here in sort of helping you through. And I, I think for me, it was really both. I had a lot of hyperfixation on on my baby and I was really, you know, the novelty of the situation was really, really fun for me. And I also experienced crippling postpartum anxiety, like just absolute existential anxiety. Like I, I read a story about like some refugees in Myanmar and there was like a mention of like some child death in that story. And I like could, I would, I was up for a week crying all night. Like I would just look at my baby sleeping and I'd be like crying and crying, thinking about other kids in other parts of the world that, you know, bad things happen to them. And like, it was, it was like impairing. And again, like emotional dysregulation and rejection sensitivity was really, really big for me. And it was a lot of energy to just kind of manage and keep my mood really stabilized during that postpartum time days were good nights were bad kind of thing what helped you keep your emotions stabilized honestly what really helped was understanding the role that adhd plays in emotional dysregulation i had another friend who had a midwife and her midwife had talked to her about this idea of the pregnancy bubble using really really good boundaries to give yourself permission not to engage with upsetting stimuli toxic situations people that bring you stress and just this idea of having really good boundaries around your own emotional functioning um, and I already had, you know, some understanding of the role that ADHD played in emotional dysregulation and rejection sensitivity. And I had been noticing it through my pregnancy, right? Like I was like, wow, I'm, I'm really rejection sensitive right now. I'm really like having a hard time not ruminating. So when my baby was born and I was really struggling with like postpartum anxiety, I was like, okay, there's probably some role that my ADHD is playing in this. Like, I just need to use the strategies that I know that help me stay regulated, that kind of thing. And like, not, not buy into these feelings and not believe them as true, but just kind of step back and, and witness and observe them and like name them and know that they're going to pass. I got my ADHD diagnosis when my kids were like one or two. So it was during that process of having kids and sort of navigating things that my diagnosis occurred so i didn't i didn't have wow. the, i wasn't wow. forewarned like you are yeah oh really yeah. Yeah. that's interesting 
that a piece of why I got diagnosed was I, that professional struggle I described earlier. Like I said, my wife was pregnant. It was really challenging pregnancy during my first year at a new school. I'd already been teaching for a little while, but it was a new school. We, we moved. I had to get a new job. Standards were really high. Expectations were really low. Support was really low in the administration of that building. Um, and so I lost that job. Eventually I was there for a year when the boys were born. And I think they only kept me because I was a new parent. Um, otherwise they probably would have let me go. And then the next year I was not supported in anything. And that added a lot of stress and anxiety to me. And so by the end of that year, I was done in that building. And in the course of that second year, trying to figure out why I was making the mistakes that I was making, I pursued the ADHD diagnosis and got the beginnings of an answer, which of course became much better answers as I learned more. But yeah, that was, it, you're, I, you're lucky that you were four, forewarned and forearmed. Yeah. Yeah. I actually started doing my coach training while I was pregnant oh, cool. um, or, or maybe it was like shortly after I can't remember. It was right around that period. So I started mm -hmm. transitioning into doing ADHD coaching around that time. So I was learning a lot. And just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, if you're a person with a uterus and you worry about being able to be a good functional parent and get through pregnancy with ADHD, you absolutely can do it. Many people do it. Um, you have tons of amazing things to offer and there are strategies that can help you. And I'm creating some of those strategies and I'm creating some of those resources. I got your back. Right now, the best place to stay engaged with me is on my social media. So my Twitter is at Dusty Chipura, and that's D-U-S-T-Y-C-H-I-P-U-R-A. Um, also on TikTok. Um, and my website is VancouverADHDCoaching.com. So when I have this manual finished, it's going to be uploaded there for people to purchase as a digital download. And I'm on YouTube, so you can just search like Dusty, the ADHD coach, and that's where you'll find some of the videos that I put out around pregnancy and new parenting with ADHD. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.